Father, we honor you. Thank you for the privilege, privilege of worship this evening. Thank you for these songs, and we're able to honor you and bless you, and that's our heart, Lord, to send up a fragrant aroma, just a sound of praise, that you would be encouraged, that you, Father, would be blessed. You would be blessed. That's our heart. So, Father, even as I just open up the word, just for a moment, I'm would ask, Lord, that you would anoint these words, anoint this moment, this time. I thank you that as we're gathered together, Jesus is here in our midst. And we're so grateful. Holy Spirit, be the spirit of truth who leads us and guides us into all truth. Be our teacher tonight. In Jesus' name, everyone said... Amen. I want to share the, the title slide that you see up there. It has a scripture on it, John 129. We've been doing a series throughout December, a Christmas series, called God is on the Move. We've talked about how he's, he's on the move through us. He's on the move through his son. He's on the move through his church and through his people. And we've been talking about that for the last few weeks. And I want to kind of culminate that with this. In John chapter 1, verse 29, they have to remember John is not a Southern Baptist. John is a baptizer, right? So as a brand new Christian, a young Christian, uh, the guy who led me to the Lord, Steve McMeans, he's a pastor in Lubbock, Texas at Indiana Avenue Baptist Church, led me to Christ, and by default, I became a Southern Baptist, which was awesome. I just didn't know the difference, because at 19 years of age, I didn't even know there were different flavors of Christianity. I just thought everybody went to different churches because there wasn't enough room in one. So I was a new Christian, young, and found out I was a Baptist. Well, then I found out about John the Baptist, and I got real excited, thinking, that's awesome. He's one of us. He's one of our guys. And it turns out later I found out he wasn't a Southern Baptist. He was actually a baptizer. But John had a mission and an assignment that God gave to him that when he came to this earth and he preceded Jesus just a little bit, just a little bit, but yet they were in the womb at the same time and their mothers were cousins, so they were family. And it's interesting that there's a, a scene where Mary and Elizabeth greet each other and connect, and it says that the baby leapt in her womb. And she felt that kick and that movement because there was, even in the womb, there was recognition that something was up, something was amazing, that there was a story about to unfold, a bigger story. And so listen to this in John. Later, as John has gotten older, he's growing up realizing he has an assignment on his life. He has something to do. And by the way, did you know you have an assignment too? Do you know God has designed you for something? He's equipped you for something. He's, he's spoken life into you and raised you up because you have an assignment too. And what's beautiful about this life that we live in is that we get to find out what our assignment is. We spend our lives sometimes discovering in this journey what our assignment is. John knew what his assignment was, and it was to be a forerunner. It was to announce. It was to be a herald that something amazing was about to happen and about to culminate. So listen to this in John chapter 1, verse 29. We'll go to the backstory on this in just a sec. It says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him. So Jesus was walking, and it says this. He said this, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John knew exactly who Jesus was, and he knew what Jesus' assignment was. He knew what his role was in the bigger story, but he also knew what Jesus was going to do. And he was stepping into his assignment when he announces this. So I want to read some scriptures. We started or ended and culminated our series with this, so I want to keep the movement going. So listen to this from Eugene Peterson, who wrote a translation of the Bible, a paraphrase called the Message Translation. 
And Eugene Peterson, who passed away just a, a couple of years ago, uh, has an amazing take on the Scripture. Very casual, very colloquial in its nature, but I love the way it reads. And look what it says here in John chapter 1, verse 14. The Word became flesh. We like to say around here that, that the Lord put on an earth suit. He put on an earth suit. He became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Jesus showed up on this planet. He left what was his. Uh, he left the grandeur and the majesty of heaven and then in preexistence with God himself in order to come to this earth as a baby. And that's what we're celebrating here tonight, the birth of Jesus. And look what it says. He moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. There's another passage of the scripture where Jesus is saying, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I don't know if you've ever wondered what God looks like. I remember growing up as a, as a kid and thinking, oh, God must be like, like that grumpy old man sitting on a throne who's doling out punishment to everybody who messes up. Now, I, that's because things I had heard, I didn't know. I didn't know him. But things I'd heard and what I'd been taught and things that had been said, I thought, oh, he must be a grumpy old guy sitting on a throne, but his son's cool and hip and trendy, and he hangs out with people, and the Holy Spirit's like a vapor. It's like the mister at Six Flags. You just walk through it, and it's like, oh, what was that? You know, I felt good and cool. I just had no clue about what all this meant, and that was through all of my childhood until I finally became a follower of Jesus. And I began to learn and begin to grow, and I became a disciple, a follower of Jesus. And I began to learn and discover how amazing this life is. Now look at this. As we move forward in that same chapter, it says this. Now this was John's testimony when the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. So the Jewish people were like, this John guy's different. I mean, he comes from the wild, he comes in, he's baptizing people, he's got long hair, he looks like he's been living out in the woods. I mean, he look, who is this guy? And he's coming with a message. And they, so they got the priests and Levites, and they, they, they sent them in and said, find out who this guy is. So look what it says. It says, they asked him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely. I am not the Christ, because they were wondering if this John was actually the Messiah, the one who for thousands of years had been prophesied was going to come and redeem, rescue, restore, and save the Jewish people. And so they thought, could this be? He's just so different. He's, he's got authority on him. There's something obviously on his life. And so they sent in these guys to ask. In verse 22, as we move through that story, Finally, they said, who are you? Because John's kind of being ambiguous, saying, it's not about me. It's not about me. There's someone to come. In fact, he's greater than me, and he was before me. And it says this, finally, they said, who are you? I mean, it's just blatant. Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? You ever been put in a corner? You've been put in a corner. It's like, okay, I, you've cornered me. I got to say it, and here it is. And look what it says in verse 23. John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the desert. Make straight the way for the Lord. In other words, clear a path. Clear a path. Prepare. Verse 24. Now some Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ? 
nor Elijah, nor the prophet. So they're getting off topic. They're missing it, and they're actually confused because they're splitting hairs. They're splitting religious hairs while John is heralding the coming of the one they have been wanting to come, the Messiah, the one that would redeem and rescue they're splitting hairs and, and wanting to know, wait, why, aren't you, why are you doing this if you're not him? And look at he's, he, look what John says, verse 26. He says, I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. We saw in the earlier parts of that chapter that he came to his own and they did not even recognize him. And that he came to this world and the world did not realize who he was. And it begs the question, do we recognize him? Do we recognize him in our very families that we're going to be with over these holidays? Do we see Jesus in our family? Do we see Jesus in our friends? Do we see Jesus in that seven-year-old kid that's knocking stuff over, right? Do we see Jesus in the, in the four kids sitting around the card table that knocked their drink over during the meal? Do we see Jesus in the weird uncle that shows up. If you're all wondering who the weird uncle is, you may be that weird uncle. <laughs> Do we see Jesus in others? Because he's wanting to show up, but we have to look. We have to open our eyes. And we have to look. And find Jesus and see Jesus in those that are coming around us. And do we see Jesus in the Christmas stories that will be playing on TV? The 7,000 Hallmark movies and Lifetime movies and oh my gosh. Am I the only one who's figured out they're all the same? They just have different characters? It's a wealthy girl who moved from a small town. Now she lives in the big city and she's been cityfied. Then she comes back to small town for the holidays and meets a hunky guy who is secretly wealthy beyond our imagination, but she didn't know it because he drives an old pickup. Is that not the same story? <laughs> and yet we still watch it, right? And go, oh, it's so awesome. And then at the end, it's always going to snow, right? When they, you know, their final moment, when, they, when she gives up that city life, that evil, dark city life, and comes back home to small town America. Okay, is that true or not? Is that, is that, that the story? But you know, even in that story arc, there's redemption, there's relationship, there's all the things of the kingdom all sprinkled in, because God is all over, folks. But we open our eyes. John said, look, look, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Of the world? Wait a minute, I know he takes away my sin, but does he take away your sin? Does he take away their sin? Did he take away the guy driving the F-150 on the I-10 the other day? <laughs> that I got frustrated with. Does he take away his sin? He says, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. He's the one who comes after me. The thongs of whose sandals... I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing, and look what happens. Verse 29, the next day John saw Jesus. So Jesus shows up while John's doing all this, and the stage is set for the introduction of Jesus to the world. And will we recognize him? Will we see him in one another?
I have to tell you, I'm a little emotional just looking out at everybody. I just, I see Jesus in you. I see Christ in you. I see the love of God in you. I see people giving up a Christmas Eve to come out and be with other followers of Jesus to celebrate Christ. Let me tell you, if that isn't Jesus, I don't know what is. If that isn't family, I don't know what is. But look what it says. The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him. Remember, he's with the crowd baptizing. Look, the Lamb of God. Look. Look. Open your eyes. Navigate your day with your eyes wide open. Turn on your radar. Open your eyes and see the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Man, in a room this size with this many folks, we're all in different places in our journey of faith. And I don't know where everybody is that's here, but I have to tell you, I know there are probably a few here, quite a few, that maybe are just in a rough spot right now. You're in a rough patch. I want you to know something. I want you to know Jesus is here. Open your eyes. Look and see. He's here. I was always that kid who was jumping in the pool first and then saying to the rest of the kids, Hey, the water's fine. Come on in. I was the guy jumping in first. I was the guy jumping off the snowbank up at Estes Park, into a, a jumping off a cliff into a snowbank because no one else would go first. So I jumped in and turned around and said, it's amazing, jump. And everybody else jumped. Listen, I'm saying this, jump in. Look, open your eyes. Jesus is here right now. What better Christmas gift to receive that would be salvation, be coming to know him as Savior, coming to know him as your own Lord, becoming a follower of Jesus. It'd be the easiest day of the year to remember, man, I got born again. I gave my life to Jesus Christ on December 24th, Christmas Eve, on a Tuesday, not a Sunday, a Tuesday. So I'm going to invite you to do something. Would you bow your heads? I just want to pray for you and invite anyone who's here that maybe this is your time, maybe this is your moment. I'm asking you to simply look and behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every person in this room that can hear my voice, and I'm asking you by your Holy Spirit, would you open all of our eyes, no matter where we are on this journey, whether we've never actually stepped over the line and taken that first step, or whether we've walked with Jesus for 20, 30, 40 years, 50 years. Wherever we are on this journey, Father, we want to see Jesus fresh. We want to see Him anew. We want to discover another facet of who He is, His personality, His character, His nature. With every head bowed and every eye closed, Going back to my Baptist roots here. If you don't know Jesus Christ and you want to know him, you want to take a step toward him, and you're saying, you know what? This is as good a time as any for me to take a step. And you want to do that. Tonight's your night. You get that opportunity. That's the best Christmas present I could ever extend is an invitation to know Jesus. So if you're here this evening and you'd like to do that, and take that step, that first step on the journey. Uh, would you just slip your hand up so I can see it? Just so I can see. Anybody here saying, thank you, thank you, I see your hands. You can put those down. Anyone else? Thank you, thank you. Anyone else? 
looking. Thank you. I see your hands over there. Anyone else? You're saying, I want to take that step. I'm looking for hands. Just get them up where I can see them. Anybody else? Several. Several. Thank you. Thank you. Put your hand down. And even if you don't raise your hand, you may be here and saying, you know what? I want to do this. I'm ready. So I'm going to invite every person who just did. I'm not going to make you get out of your seat or do anything. This is something between you and the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Right where you're sitting, I'm going to ask you to pray a simple prayer with me. But I'm going to lead us all in that prayer. And even if you've walked with Him for 50 years, what we do, we do together. We're better together. So I'm going to invite you to out loud, all of us together. Some, it will be the first time. It'll be their first step. Others, it could be a reconnect. It could be a reconnect, a recommitment of your heart to Christ. But whether it's the first or the last, I'm going to invite everybody to pray this prayer with me. We're going to keep it simple and to the point. But you just make it your own. You own these words. Say this with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. You hung on a cross. You took the pain. You took the blame. You took the shame on my behalf. You lived for me. You died for me. You raised from the dead for me. And I am grateful. In this moment, I step over the line. I'm going all in. I give you my heart. I give you my past. I give you my present. I give you my future. All that I have and all that I am, I give to you. Jesus, I receive the gift of eternal life through salvation of my soul. Thank you for saving me tonight. Come and live in me. Live your life through me that I may bring honor to you. In Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. amen. Can we just give the Lord a great clap, a great applause? Amen. There's several here tonight that raised their hand, and I just want to say welcome to the family of God. You and I are brothers and sisters, and I want to say thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having the courage to take that step tonight, not knowing what I was going to ask you to do. Thank you for trusting me with that. Amen.